Hey everybody, welcome back to the Active Dads podcast. I'm the co-host Daniel, and this is my other co-host John. And today we are joined um, by a uh, coach and a mentor, and in both fitness and business, which is pretty cool. I mean, I'm very excited to have him on. You know, John's always excited about everything. So. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a bundle of excitement <laughs> yeah. every day. Yep. So, uh, with no further ado, this is Cole Taylor. Hey, Cole, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to see you guys, Daniel and John. It's a pleasure. Yep. Same here, man. So, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on and, you know, what we discussed earlier was routines and habits in many different facets of life. You know, I mean, so many successful people, you know, different ways of measuring success, success, obviously, but all of them talk about having their morning rituals or their morning routines or building their brand to become a habit. So one of the first questions I have is, you know, A, how do you get started in something like that? Yeah. So I think before you can build a habit structure, you've got to determine what you want. Uh, and this is the same thing I tell the guys that I work with is any area that you want growth and health in, you just start building habits around those things. So whatever I set my priorities towards, if it is a healthy body, cool. Okay. What are my habits, you know, weekly, monthly, daily look like to get me to that place? So I want a healthy relationship with my significant other or my kids. Okay. Do I have consistent habits for that? Uh, same thing with my business. So, you know, getting started to me, it's a determination of what do I want and what are my priorities? And then, you know, what am I doing consistently to get to those places? Okay. So, um, that's excellent. So, with building a habit in business, what is one of the main issues you see with people who, you know, brand new entrepreneur and somebody who's been running the family business for the past 10 years? What are one of the big habit changes you try in the beginning? Yeah, totally. And so I think really any stage of business, we're all still tempted to this, uh, this thing called shiny object syndrome is, uh, what's the new thing? What's the, the big, exciting new marketing strategy? Uh, what's this new type of ad? What, you know, what kind of thing can I add to my business to grow really quickly? And, you know, we're very often drawn to these things. And so the guys that I'm working with, a lot of the conversation is let's shift our focus from all of these new things, which are great and determine what are my RGAs, my revenue generating activities that I can repeat on a day-to-day basis. And so for them, it's, um, it's building habits around what brings me the most consistent revenue um, and how can I repeat that on a day-to-day basis. And if I get those systematized and you know passed off to you know, whether it's a team member or a virtual assistant or whatever, whatever that is, now I can start looking at other methods. Uh, but until we get consistent with what brings us revenue, we're not going to see the growth that we're looking for. So I try to build habits around those first. Okay. I got you. So what about in, you know, like the family life? You know, I know, a lot of people, especially brand new entrepreneurs, they kind of move hard into the business side of things. And it's very easy to lose path of what you're trying to build the business and what you're trying to build the wealth for. Yeah, it's, it's honestly really hard. And I think as this has been my struggle, uh, most of the guys I work with too are extremely driven people. And so it's like, oh, I'm just going to work harder and longer in my business. And then you know, a lot of the reasons they come to me is, Hey, my business is great now, but my wife never gets to see me. My kids hate me. Uh, and so we <laughs> tend to lose that balance, <laughs> which to me is not success. Like it's, it's cool to have a seven figure business or whatever. Uh, but my wife hates me and I'm not a good dad, which I'm not a father, so I can't speak to that. But mm. a lot of the guys that I work with are like, that's not really success. That's just being a workaholic. Um, and so yeah. to me, success comes within balance, uh, but it's often hard to find habits and routines in relationships because there's no like clear measurable target. It's not like I'm going to hit this revenue goal or I'm going to lose this many pounds. Uh, and so a lot of times with those guys, I have to focus on uh, input goals instead of like an actual target to hit. So instead of yeah. like, I, I want this revenue goal, it's more of, okay, how many date nights did I go on this month or how many times did I show love in a certain way, you know, finding my significant other's uh, love language, if it's words of affirmation or if it's gifts or quality time, can I build a habit around that? So like you know, date nights is a great example. It's words of affirmation, you know, how many times a day or did I set a, a reminder, uh, you know, every day to send my significant other uh, a nice text or call her and say, Hey, I love you. Uh, no really purpose of this call. I just want to encourage you to tell you how much how amazing you are. Um, 
you know, great ways to find growth and relationships is just building habits around showing love and showing that I care. Um, it's not, it's not the end all be all. There's a lot of internal work that has to happen, but at least putting the effort, uh, those things can show a lot of growth. Yeah. That, that's actually pretty interesting. Now that I think about it, I schedule, like I put time on my schedule to text my clients to make sure, you know, the diet's still going well and do check-ins, but I've never put my wife on the five minute schedule to shoot a text message. That's really? that's probably something I personally need to work on. Man, just wait, just wait a little bit longer and you'll get that everyday message. What's for dinner? That's, <laughs> that's that one's mine, man. It's like, she has me plugged in for like five thirty. dinner ideas. And it's like, that's the, question you don't want to hear every day what's for dinner because then everybody's gonna bounce it back what do we have for i don't know what do you want i don't know what do you want and it's yeah absolutely yeah. that's our that's yeah. our text time I, I do think it's a, it's a great way to find growth though um you know i personally words of affirmation is my you know biggest love language uh, at least for me receiving and anytime someone does that for me even if not a consistent basis like i feel like i'm on top of the world um and so i i know that if that affects me that much if i can find that the people i love and i do this uh with my family members all the time is i'll schedule a day of the week where i send a you know a text to my mom or call my mom or you know my sisters uh and i've noticed even with just that level of intentionality of just once a week sending a text or a call our relationship has grown so much and there's so much more uh you know, peace and lack of tension there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously that sounds like a very simple thing, but much like, you know, much like John, whenever I get into work mode, I feel like I need to be into work mode. You know, whenever I'm here at the gym, whether I'm with a client or I'm doing some paperwork or I'm programming for the following week, it's very easy to get a single track mind and kind of not really lose sight of them. I mean, you know, like I never forget about my mother or uh, talking to my sisters or anything like that, but you kind of get in that one gear, you know what I mean? And it's kind of hard to break that, I guess, field of vision whenever you're in there, you know? So I really like the idea of setting an alarm to like remind people, Hey, I'm still here, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a gift, like, especially as business owners, that's typically driven people. It's a gift we have to be very focused on what we're doing. But the dark side of that is the out of, out of sight, out of mind thing. You know, if, I, if I'm not seeing it right in front of me, I lose focus of it. And so if we can continue to schedule those things, reminding ourselves, hey, at this time I've got to do this, um, it allows for a lot more health and growth because it's something that we've set as a priority. Um, so I, a quote I always say is if, if, if I can ritualize something or routinize, that's where the results come. You know, my results come from my routines, my health come from my habits. Um, and so if I will schedule things in, you know, health and growth comes a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what do you do to begin building a habit? You know, you got the reminders that you can set in your phone. What are, uh, I don't really know how to ask that. I have the question in my head. I just don't know how to put it into words. Basically, you have a habit that needs to be built, right? No matter whether it's business, whether it's family, finance, whatever. Let's say you have one habit that needs to be built. How do you work that into where it becomes your main focus? You know, like uh, the one example I always give my clients is just building the habit of drinking water. You know, I mean, it's a very simple thing. You know, I do it all day long, but sometimes whenever they get into work mode, they're not used to drinking water. You know, how do you make a habit just to where it becomes so much of your daily life that it's like brushing your teeth? Yeah, it's tough, especially going from zero to, you know, <laughs> a big change. Yeah. Uh, and I think water is a great example because that's something I've never been very consistent at. You'll see I have this, you know, weird jug here that yeah. I don't like carrying around because of the stigma of, oh, he's the gym douche. Um, but <laughs> I, I have to, because there's a measurement here, uh, and I have clients that I even actually make them like write times a day on it just to have it measured or at least get one of the bottles that do it for them. Uh, but I think two things, I think you have to schedule it and measure it. Um, if it's going to be a new habit, there's gotta be a scheduled time for it. And if it's all throughout the day, that's fine but there's got to be measurable points that you hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it is measured, there's actually an achievable target you can hit and know that you checked it off. Uh, but I don't think it, I don't think you're going to be able to do it consistently unless it's scheduled and measured. I think the other thing too is finding ways to, 
I don't know if ease into it's the right word, but start small and bite-sized pieces. So, you know, if I go from someone who's not consistent with water at all, I'm probably not going to ask my client to jump in and, hey, we're going to go straight to two gallons a day. Good Lord, like I struggle drinking half gallon a day. Let's let's find a, a consistent place that we can hit, we can build on. Because um, I think as very driven people, we, we want to set these big, high-achieving goals. Like, oh, I'm going to be the... I'm going to lose 20 pounds this month, which is cool, but that, that might be a big, <laughs> a big bite to take off. And so, you know, typically we're like, Oh, I'm going to go seven days a week of working out, you know, twice a day. And it's like, how about let's just start with three days a week and for 30 minutes a day, um, and finding a, a place I can be consistent at and we can always add to it. Um, you know, almost setting micro goals to begin until we get consistency. Um, I find that approach leads to a lot more consistency instead of, all right, seven days a week, twice a day working out. Let's get after it. We'll cool that last two weeks, and then I quit. <laughs> yeah, we we actually had that conversation. We were talking about that Friday because I I noticed some folks that were kind of they were on that whole seven days a week. Let's just kill it every time we're in here. You could tell they were they had that mindset of we're just gonna drive it home, you know. And they were in like day two, and I'm sitting there thinking like I don't know if this is gonna last. But I mean, it's the same. <laughs> It's the same way with, with, you know, work and everything else, though. I mean, you know, I've got some of those people that come in and blaze a trail, and they just keep on going right out the door. And then those other yep. folks that come in with that, that bigger picture, a goal, uh, small goals, large goals, um, those kinds of things. And they can kind of stay that course a lot better. And I think there's seasons for it. I think there's times where you can set a high goal and – you know, I, I can go hard. Like I'm doing a, a program right now called 75 hard. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Uh, just more of a discipline builder than anything. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing something like this for long-term sustainability, but it's good for reaching a short-term goal. If I have a plan to transition to something more sustainable afterwards, um, I think the same thing business-wise. There's, you know, a lot of businesses are seasonal. Uh, you know, retail stores finding at the end of the year it's Christmas time. There might be a, you know, a big, uh, you know, increase in workload for this time. But then we're going to set back into a sustainable pace once we've hit our targets. We've made the most of this time. Um, so I think those those periods are good as long as you have a a way to transition back into balance afterwards. <clears throat> yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, you know, me and John, I'm sure yourself, we've been working out for a long enough time to know that if we do seven workouts in one week, it's going to be a pretty brutal recovery period afterwards. You know, if you just kind of, you know, if your idea of working out is doing a little bit of squats, some push ups, and a long walk, then yeah, you can hold that intensity for seven days a week. But if you have any idea or any intent of going at an intensity past, you know, five or six, then you're going to be hurting no matter who you are going that hard. I mean, yeah. you know, David Goggins doesn't do a David Goggins workout seven days a week. No you, know, you have to mix in the heavy intensity with the light intensity. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Having some micro technical difficulties here. Well, yeah, man. So, um, so do you currently work with any clients in the fitness field or anything? Like, are you currently training people? Um, so not in person anymore. Uh, okay. you know, I did for years. I, I did you know group fitness classes, a lot of one-on-one training as well. Uh, my business from there transitioned to online fitness coaching, which mm-hmm. is what I did for uh, for a season before I added kind of the more life and business aspects to it as well. Uh, but I do have some clients that have been with me so long that they're still just fitness. Um, you know, typically I work with entrepreneurs and businessmen. I have a lot of moms that I worked with that uh, you know I never would want to add the other types of coaching just because they're not my, the client I'm really wanting to work with, but I still, uh, I have an app that I, I give fitness programs to, uh, through and I, you know, do macro check-ins and stuff. So I still have some clients that are purely fitness. Okay. Um, but the guys, the guys that I work with now, a big portion of their, their coaching is fitness related as well. And so, you know, if you isolate that, there's a good amount of fitness coaching still for sure. So, and, and we, we, in my job, I actually, we lead a, uh, we have a leadership academy. Um, and the class I teach is generally on wellness for leaders, um, or wellness and leadership, how it all kind of ties together. So yeah. I guess my question for you is how do you tie 
the health end into the business end of things with the clients yeah. that you're coaching because it you know it all does kind of work together um so what's your approach and yeah so honestly no because i've, I've kind of got two types of clients uh, some of my clients come to me and their their goal solely is to blow uh, to grow their business they're like hey i, I you know, I feel like I'm pretty good in every area. I just, you know, I want to scale my business. A lot of those are other coaches uh, in the fitness space. Um, or the other type of client is business is amazing. Uh, I don't really care to talk about that as much. I just want to answer some of the questions that money doesn't solve, whether it's relationships, it's internal stuff. Um, regardless of what kind of client they are, to me, it all starts at the same place and not just overall health. And so I approach it the same way, and uh, it's a harder conversation for the guys wanting to grow their business and convincing them of this, but um, I tell them this, that your business is an extension of you, and so if you're not healthy, you're not growing, you're not in a good place as an entrepreneur and a you know, business owner, your business is going to feel that, because wherever you go, you are, uh, your relationships, your business, if I'm not bringing my best, my healthiest version, you know, clearly focused, driven, you know, the best I can be, then those areas are only getting, you know, half of me. Uh, and so once I set that foundation for them and I explain to them, Hey, we need to get you healthy first before you're, you know, before we can focus on these other things, uh, they start to have an understanding. But, uh, to me, it, you know, it's all, like you said, encompassing in one thing, it's, it's all interrelated. Um, and so if I can get them healthy mentally and, and we fix the mindset issues, uh, if we can start getting physically healthy, uh, not only do you feel better, but energy and focus uh, becomes better uh, relationally. Because you know, if my if I'm physically healthy and mindset's in a great place, but my spouse is screaming at me as I'm walking out the door, like I'm going to feel that in my business day. Um, and so, you know, to me, if I can get you healthy in all these areas and feel like I'm in a good spot, the business often just grows on its own, just because hey, I'm a better person and I bring a more clear head, energized. Um, mind to things and then we dive into the business as well with you know, strategies and routines and habits and targets but um, that's one of my favorite conversations to have is hey your business is an extension of you let's get you healthy first and so that's kind of my my strategy there yeah and Absolutely. that's that's kind of one of the kind of one of the odder aspects of it as well and you see this especially in the fitness industry to where you literally are your own brand you know what I mean? Like people are going to look at you and think, okay, this is the product of this man's training, his nutritional advice, all of that stuff. But you also have to look at it as, so uh, I do a lot of one-on-one in gym training. I do a little bit of online too, but I haven't really jumped into that too much. So whenever I see people in here, you literally see their marketing strategies, their you know business leadership as an extension of their personality. If they're a very high-strung person, you know, just... One of those people at 100% energy at energy at 4 a.m. in the morning, then that's kind of how their tactics go with the entire business. If you see people who come in kind of laid back, taking their time, just hanging out, then you really see that's how their business approach goes as well. So whenever you're dealing with that, like is there a, you know, obviously in the fitness industry, you definitely want more of the high energy person, but in business overall, do you see a benefit to one personality? type over the other like whether they're laid back and chilled which can be pretty easy to get along with or if they're high energy ready to go which sometimes can be a little bit of an annoying personality to deal with like how do you kind of mesh with those uh, yeah so i think there's a there's a, a positive and a dark side to all personalities um i don't know if there's one that's better than the other i think if you're willing to become what you need to be for what you're doing. Like you can be successful no matter your personality. And I talk about this all the time is, um, you know, I have clients that are not naturally good in front of people. They're like introverts, they're quieter. Um, but I encourage them like, if, you know, if you're going to be a good leader, if you're going to be someone that inspires vision and, you know, pushes your team, motivates, you're going to have to learn to co communicate and get outside of your natural bubble. Um, and so I think you can become whatever you need to be, to be a good leader, but, I don't know that one's better than the other. I think it's often easier to be successful when you're a little more extroverted and people, you know, people oriented. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the one that I, I find is a little more difficult is the, especially when you're personal branding yourself, um, through online, through social media, 
the introverts are a little bit harder to push. It's like, hey, you're going to have to learn to get comfortable in front of the camera or learn to communicate more. Uh, so that one's a little bit di- uh, more difficult. But I think, like I said, any personality can become what they need to be to be successful if you're willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that was one of the big issues I had. Um, and obviously still kind of have. I'm still more of an introvert than anything. So it's really hard for me to like market myself on Facebook. It's really hard. That's one of the reasons why we started doing a podcast. You know, like I became a personal trainer and I realized I kind of have to play a character whenever I'm out on the gym floor when I'm marketing myself because normally I just don't like people. People wear me out entirely, you know? So whenever I'm out here and I'm training six clients back to back, I just have to come chill out in the break room or go take a walk through the city, just try to recharge my battery. So I literally feel like I'm playing a character whenever I'm doing personal training over who I really am. So, you know, at what point that, and I know with John, with the leadership program, um, he kind of has to be an extrovert and give a lot of speeches and talk to crowds, which he's not a big uh, fan of any of that as well. I actually like it. I just hate microphones. You hate microphones? (laughs) I love talking in front of people, but I hate microphones. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's a new one. Like I literally, I literally spent ten years in children's ministry, and I loved it. And I figured if I could get on stage and keep a bunch of elementary school kids and middle school kids happy for thirty minutes, I could speak in front of anybody. And it was until then that I could actually get up and talk. And now I don't really have a lot of problem. But you throw a mic in front of me, like this mic drives me nuts. We'll have to get some lavalier mics for you. <laughs> but that that kind of that kind of leads me to I guess when we're talking about personality, personality traits. You know, um, do you so when you're working with clients, do you actually use any of the you know Myers Briggs or you know personality trait to actually get people to understand what makes them tick and why they think the way they do? Because you know when you're when you are dealing with that many personalities, you kind of have to learn all those facets of those personalities. So I didn't know if that was part of your. your yeah, stuff. so it didn't it didn't used to be, um, but I, I was in the church world for a long time too. I was a pastor. I, I did a lot of youth ministry as well, so I understand that <laughs> trying to keep attention spans that are very small, um, especially when you're talking to you know twelve and thirteen year olds mm-hmm. and hormones ranging and just stupid high energy. Um, But uh, it's not something I used to do. Uh, One reason is because a lot of the guys that I work with are very similar personalities. It's just the the branding that I use and the way I communicate, I I attract a certain Mm -hmm. person intentionally. And so oftentimes they're very similar personalities, so I haven't needed to. But I see the value in it so much that I've actually started using the Enneagram a little more, which is one that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finding that all these guys are very similar, that yeah. they're a lot of the same number. Uh, it's a three. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of them are threes or ones or eights, if you know anything about it. But oh, the yeah. threes are high achievers, performers, which is my personality. Um, a lot of coaches are that. Um, mm-hmm. A one is a perfectionist. Uh, eight is a uh, kind of the challenger, uh, you know, the dictator type mm-hmm. personality. Uh, but those are kind of the typically strong leaders are one of those three. Uh, so I find that a lot of my clients are that, but the, like, like you said, the more that I've dove in, into that, I definitely see the nuances of it. I've learned to communicate a little differently to them. Uh, very small changes, but presented in a slightly different perspective. It seems to resonate better with yeah. them, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, for me, it was a great, when I first did that, that was years ago when I was, you know, in a leadership college program, but so, because I learned, I learned so much about myself. I was like, man, maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm not all jacked up and screwed up like they said I was <laughs> anyway. But then, then in, in the leadership role, you know, when you you walk into a room, you know, and there's 30 guys down there, and there's so basically, you know, at least 25 different personalities. It just made yeah. so much more sense at that point in time to kind of understand each and every one of those a little bit better. Um, so yeah, that's. When I when I first, because uh, I've done Myers Briggs before too, but when I first did the Enneagram, I've felt so vulnerable. Um, like when I read the test results, I'm like, "How did you understand that about me?" Like I felt like someone read my book. I was very concerned. <laughs> I'm like, "How do you get out of my head? Stop! Who's who told you this?" Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, even the insecurities. I'm like, mm-hmm. no one's ever said it like that 
for. How do you know that? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool. oh, wow. I'm going to check that out. I've never taken either one of those. Oh, man, it's a revelation. I'm telling really? you. Like, you, you just, you know, like, if you're a, if you're sensitive, it's going to tell you right there. You're sensitive. Uh-huh. And you're going to be like, I'm so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's okay. fascinating. Yeah. So, um, so you use those personality types, not really to get them to, you know, do what they're supposed to do, but more or less to learn how to understand how to convey that information to them. So that information is more for your communication style than it is how they move within the business. Correct. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's more for how I coach them, but I, I, I let them understand who they are too. So it's, it's double faceted. So how I can communicate, but also, uh, understanding what makes them tick, understanding the typical, like I said earlier, dark sides of their personality. Um, you know, a lot of them being threes like me, which is the high achiever performer. The dark side of our personality is that we tend to get tunnel vision and get so motivated on work or whatever we're trying to accomplish that we push people aside. And so that's a conversation I have a lot is how do I learn to be present with the people I love? Like if business is such a focus for me, uh, you know, how do I shut my brain off when I go home to my wife or to my kids? How do I stop thinking about work? And so we have specific habits and strategies for that. Um, so some of it is learning how to coach those dark sides and get them in a healthy place. Um, but a lot of it is for my, my communication as well. Okay. So not to give away too much of the secret ingredients, but what are some <laughs> of the, yeah. So what are some of the habits that you suggest for guys who just get so ramped up and so focused on work that they're not able to unwind and relax? Yeah. So a lot of it for me, and you talked about this a little bit earlier is, uh, is your morning routine. Uh, I've got sp- some specific practices, which I, I kind of explained that it's nothing revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, people talk about them a lot, but that allow me to take control of my mind and my time and my schedule to put me, uh, like I said, in control so that I can, uh, help kind of, uh, delineate some of that struggle. Uh, but a lot of it starts with, for those specific things, you know, as far as being present with the people you love and shutting that off, uh, is, is two things are huge for that is one is a prioritization. And so I have them pick three daily targets of here's the three most important things I have to get done today to move the ball down the field based off of what's most important. Um, one thing that allows them to, be extremely focused on what they need to get done. And so instead of I'm going to push the ball down the field a little bit in a ton of different areas, I'm going to go all in on what's you know most important. If I have extra time, great, I can get some of these things done. Uh, but that, so that one helps them perform better, but two, it allows a shutoff point. It's like when the day ends and I know that I've gotten my three most important things done, there's this sense of, uh, accomplishment and peace that comes with, okay, I did what I needed to do. I can give myself some grace to shut off a little bit. Um, and so that's kind of the starting point for that. And so when, you know, when you get home, you know, that I've done what I needed to do and I've got tomorrow's determined as well. So I know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I've got some of that, um, ambiguity shut off in my mind. So I, you know, I know what's happening. And the other one is affirmations, uh, which I'm, I'm not a very like, uh, artsy person when it comes to like, uh, I never loved meditation. I never loved journaling or affirmations. And so this was always weird for me until I saw the value of it, you know, back to the conversation we had earlier is, uh, often you have to do things or become a different person to get what you, you know, want in different areas. And so I learned the value. And so now I tell my clients like, this is going to feel weird. It's going to feel maybe girly or artsy for you, but just do it. And I promise you'll see the results. And so the other one is affirmations. And that's, I am statements speaking something about yourself, writing something about yourself uh, that you want to be true or you believe to be true, you're just not seeing yet. Uh, and one that I do and a lot of my clients do every day is right. I am present. Um, and I know it's something I struggle with um, because my brain is always thinking about other things. But if I write that every morning, I write down I am present, I speak that, and I start to visualize what it looks like for me to be present with the people I love is my phone on the other side of the room, like I'm not paying attention to that. Am I fully engaged with my wife, my kids? Um, you know, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Uh, because my subconscious, and there's a lot of studies uh, done on this, doesn't know the difference between what it's actually seeing in reality versus what you visualize. And so if I will visit, which to me sounded like mumbo jumbo until I actually read the science <laughs> on it and studies. Yeah. Um, I'm like, whatever, come on, man. Um, but the crazy part is if I will continue to visualize that, my brain will 
to make that a reality. It doesn't like the dissonance of, I just keep seeing something, but if it's not happening, it wants to figure out how to make that work. Uh, and so I find over time for me and for my clients as well, the more that I speak, write, visualize those things, uh, your brain kind of begins to move into that of, okay, I am actually being present and it's a battle and it probably will be for the rest of your life in some sense because you're fighting natural urges. Um, but it comes more and more naturally uh, over time that as I've written it, spoken it, visualized it, I start to kind of engage in a different way with the people I love. Uh, so those two are huge for me is prioritization and affirmations, which kind of leads into, uh, into visualization as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also, uh, you know, I kind of felt the same way about affirmations whenever I first started hearing about them. You know, and one of the big things that kind of came clear to me, and I don't remember who said it. I won't say it was, it was one of the big fitness guys that I followed. I won't say it was Arnold, but I don't think that was true. And he said, don't think about affirmations as you giving yourself a compliment. Think of it as positive self-talk to battle the negative yeah. self-talk that we deal with every day. And that was one of the big things that kind of changed my mind because with me, you know, especially in the fitness environment, I still have a little bit of the imposter syndrome. You know, and I mean, that just, it never entirely goes away, you know? So every time I kind of have some of that imposter or imposter syndrome coming on and kind of revealing itself, I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. I've been doing this forever, you know? So it kind of helps to battle like you were talking about, you know, it's just the little nudge. It's not a huge thing. It's just nudging the needle back in the right direction of that positive self image. Yeah. And I love what you said. That's we're going to be talking to ourselves either way. So you might as well try to make that a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love the quote that Henry Ford said is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yes. Uh, And so for me, when I continually speak that positive, uh, it's a lot easier to convince myself of I can do it rather than allowing my natural tendency to go to the negative of "Ah, maybe I can't do that. Yes. And there was Yoda. There is no trial. We do. That's why I go by. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess it depends on who your heroes are, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like you know, that's something that I deal with a lot. A lot of the clients that I talk to is that imposter syndrome, and it's. Um, I think it's natural for driven people to feel that because you're always pushing for something you haven't done before. It's a new yeah. level, and every time you reach a new level, it's like, well, I haven't done this, so why? Why would I think I can? Um, but under you know understanding, looking back, well, I couldn't, I hadn't done that before either, but I still did it, and I know yeah. that I'm capable of more. Um, but I, I believe that, like, like you said, affirmations is a great tool to begin to push that needle back in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing too. And uh, you know, so to go back to uh, or not go back to, but switch it over to different gears. You know, with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, one of the big things I see students struggle with, and one of the big things I struggle with was I recently got my brown belt. You know, once you get that new belt, you get excited in the beginning. You know, you're like, yes, I reached that next level. Then you're like, oh, crap, like my competition is at this level, you know. So it's still kind of the imposter syndrome. But another issue with being a student is you always focus more on what you don't know rather than what you know. And that's one of the big things that get a lot of people in jujitsu. You know, we rank or uh, we promote somebody to a blue belt or a purple belt. They still yeah. think, oh, man, I'm not a black belt yet. They don't realize, hey, you're not a white belt anymore either. Yeah. You know, you got this because of the skill that you have shown, not because we want you to grow into it. You know, yeah. so just remember, you know, I've, I'm a full-time personal trainer because of what I know, not because of what I don't know. So there's a big disconnect with a lot of people. And like I said, it comes that way with everybody who wants to learn a new skill. You know, I mean, if you're really passionate about it and you really want to learn you're kind of going to use the knowledge that you have, but you also forget how much knowledge that you have over your client. You know, my clients come in here, they don't, honestly, most of them don't care to have an anatomy lesson or why we're doing this type of programming. They just want to do it, you know? But whenever somebody, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But whenever somebody asks for further information on why we're doing it, you know, it just comes off the top of my head. I don't have to like go back to a textbook or read anything. So whenever I get in those like little conversations, I'm like, wow, I, I kind of do know this stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, it's well, I think that's, that's yeah. powerful to understand. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're good. Your mic's so quiet. <laughs> um, I think that's, it's powerful to understand in every area too, mm-hmm. is anytime that 
you're driven towards a new level of something, there's always going to be this tension or this gap that you feel of, oh, well, I'm not there yet. Uh, and we often forget, like you said, how much I have done or how much I do know. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of that can look at gratitude as well. Like if it's something I'm trying to get to in my life, it's, you know, a revenue goal or I'm trying to accomplish this new fitness goal. If I, you know, feel that tension of gosh, like now there's a new thing I have to get. And I feel like bad about myself. If I can remind myself of how much I have, how much I have done. A lot of times that gratitude eases that tension. Um, which I think is a powerful thing because that's something I struggle with a lot is that uh, I'm not good enough because I haven't got this new target. Um, but I quickly forget that I just reached the target that I set like today, <laughs> but I'm already feeling the frustration because I'm not where I should be. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and that's huge in like the business world. I mean, I know I even, I struggle with that. Like you get that big job promotion. It's like, you've you've you succeeded you've done all these great things to earn this big promotion but then the promotion comes along and then all that responsibility starts to pile up and you start going oh crap this is a lot this is a lot um and then you you slowly start to get weighed down by all that new responsibility and it's you very quickly go to that negative mindset and start to you know start to question yourself you know am i good enough do i know enough did i really work you know did I do enough to actually earn this thing or did they just give it to somebody? Um, and that's where that, yeah. you know, that's where that, you know, positive reaffirmation definitely comes in. I know for me, you know, I've kind of moved, you know, I started at the bottom and I've worked my way up and, and this last time, man, it was all great. It's like, yeah, yeah, I made it. Wow. And then boom, here comes all the responsibility and you're like, damn, maybe I wasn't cut out for this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, and I'm, I, and I'm an endurance athlete, so um, I like to do stuff for a long time. And and that's a really, there's a lot of time for your head to go in some really dark holes. Um, so and it and it kind of does the same way in the in the work life too, though. But yeah, uh, that's something I got to try more of positive affirmation. I do too, man. I always say I'm gonna do it. It's like me and my yoga practice. I'll pick it up. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Why did I ever stop doing this? And then three weeks later, I'm like, oh, I didn't do yoga this week. That's that's nice. Yeah. I gotta like start scheduling <laughs> it, like you were talking about. Yeah. Start putting it on the schedule so I know I'm not gonna miss it. Well, it's hard, it, honestly, like because I I see that this a lot for myself and the clients I, I work with of the mental stuff. Is because a lot of times you don't see immediate results. It's like lagging measures. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to schedule those things in that you don't see a quick response with. Cause it's like, ah, oh, it's, if I miss it today, it's not a big deal. Um, but if I skip my morning routine, meditation, affirmation, reading, journaling for a few weeks at a time, like I won't maybe feel it that day, but three weeks from, from now I'll look up and I'll wonder why I'm kind of depressed. I'm anxious. I'm not motivated. I'm still tired. And I'll look back and I'm like, this is my fault. Like I, I let myself get to this point. Um, but it's so hard to see in a day to day aspects. I may not feel it immediately. Yeah. So do you do like a, like a weekly check-in with yourself to make sure everything is still on track or how do you battle that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I have, you know, I have coaches that I work with like uh, mentors that hold me accountable and do those check-ins as well. And I have weekly calls with them. Uh, but I have a, you know, a form that I give my clients a kind of a questionnaire that I fill out myself. Uh, that's a kind of a, a weekly you know, barometer to see where I'm at in those areas of, you know, okay, rate myself physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally, on you know, a one to 10, where I'm at, where am I at? What were the wins? Uh, what were the losses or learning experiences? Um, you know, what are my new targets for this week? And so I'm going to really check in on myself in every area and recenter myself. Uh, and I usually do that on Sunday afternoons just to make sure that I'm set for this, this coming week. Um, and a lot of times it's the same thing is if I don't, if I'm lower on some of the ratings on some of those things, uh, it's the direct result of the habits that I usually didn't do in that last week. You know, physically, if I'm tired, not feeling good, well, let's look at my sleep this week. Well, there's a reason I don't feel good is because I didn't stay consistent. Or if I'm feeling unmotivated or anxious or depressed in some aspect, well, did my morning routine or my you know, affirmations, meditation, those things, were they consistent as they should be? Usually there's a direct reflection on that stuff, which is cool. Yeah. That's excellent. I mean, you always want to have a little system of checks and balances within every system that you have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
what are I don't know, what are the other stuff? It seems like you have a lot of different, like whether it's past or present, you kind of hand wear a lot of different hats. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So what got you to move away from doing like the pastoring and working within mm-hmm. church or do you still work in the church? I don't work at a church. So uh, I still have kind of the honor and opportunity to do music uh, on weekends at my church and then I get to travel. Well, pre-COVID, I travel the time. Right now, I don't really do that as much anymore, uh, but I still get to do music a lot. Okay. Uh, and so, but just not as a vocational thing. It's more of just I, I give of my time because I'm passionate about it and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now, you know, all I really do vocationally is my coaching. Um, but the shift for me happened. Um, I had... Uh, gotten to this place that I realized that I, there was more that I was passionate about doing. Uh, and there's other gifts inside of me that I wasn't using in the, in the ministry. And that's not, you know, that's not a jab at anyone in ministry because yeah. uh, I, I just wasn't wired that way. There was other things. I wanted to build something. I wanted uh, to be able to make an impact in different ways and have different conversations that I you know, wasn't in the, the lane to be able to do that. And so uh, I, made the decision to step down from my position at the church. And that's when I got my MBA and began my, my coaching business. Um, and so, you know, in the shortest version of the story that that was kind of the shift. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I was passionate about helping people in a different way. You know, I was getting to help them spiritually and having a lot of those conversations, but I knew that I had a lot to give as a, you know, as a certified personal trainer, former, former division one athlete. I'm like, I can help them physically too. Um, you know, I had a business undergrad at that time. I was like, I want to use a lot of this knowledge too to help people in a different way. Um, and so I feel like now at the point with all of those things converging, I can kind of give a unique perspective with all of those areas, you know, combining those experiences. Uh, and to me, it's just looking for overall life change for people. If I can help them, you know, I'm not, I don't claim to be the expert in any of those things. Like I'm not the best trainer in the world, uh, by any means or most experience. I'm not the smartest business guy, I'm not the smartest you know, mindset or, relational or spiritual but having enough broad perspective uh, i feel like i can kind of help them take ownership of every area and push them down down the field um which i think is really cool yeah no i mean that's it's good when you find somebody who can attack a problem from many different angles you know instead of finding that one one trick pony who's great at this one thing but kind of lacking in all other areas you know and like you were talking about we're all still trying to we're still in that student mindset. You know, we're all yeah. still trying to build more knowledge because like you said, I mean, nobody's the best trainer on the planet. You know, I don't care how many degrees or certs you have, how many clients you have helped. There's always something yeah. new for you to learn. And it's excellent to maintain that mindset. You know, even with John, John's kind of at the top of his field right now. You know, there's not many awesome. people like John on the oh. East coast, but at the same time, huh? that's a big coast. East Coast. <laughs> we just had this conversation the other day, man. Oh, that's good. some of his negative self-talk coming through right there. <laughs> that's just a memory problem. Yeah, memory problem. I turned forty Saturday, so it's all going downhill since Saturday. <laughs> Happy late birthday! That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, no matter where you're at, there's always somebody who can teach something to you. You know, even with me and jujitsu, there's been a ton of times that you know brand new white belts come in. That they have no clue what jujitsu is. They don't know what they're doing, so they don't move the way I'm expecting them to. Every now and then they move, and I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, why did you, you know, I mean, it it makes me think, yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years, and I've never seen that. What what is, do that again. (laughs) You know that. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you know, brand new people, and I'm still learning from them just because of, you know, their body movements or their biomechanics, or maybe it was a mobility limitation that they had to where they brought something new to the table that yeah. I could kind of see and then try to recreate, see if I could work around yeah. that problem, you know? Awesome. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. I mean, basically as long as you remain a student, you're always going to have not only multiple teachers, but you're also going to have people that kind of look up to you because you're not like, cool, yeah. I know it all. This is the answer. End all, be all. This is it. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I'm always shocked how much I learned from my clients. Yeah. I tell them that. I'm like, great. I'm writing that down. What was that you said? Cool. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm unapologetic about it. I'm like, learn as much from you guys as you do from me. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's what I, that's what I communicate with my staff all the time. Um, you know, work is, it's simply like, 
I hire people smarter than me. I mean, yeah. it's I'm doing I'm stuck doing this and I'm pulled in this many different directions, but so in in your area, I'm going to hire you because you're smarter than me at what you do. So not only yeah. are you going to make yourself look good, you're going to make me look good because you're smarter than me. Um, and it's just, yeah. I'm so surprised by people that are taken back by that. And it's like, no, think about it. It's a great concept. But it doesn't mean we're not all, we shouldn't all be lifelong learners. I mean, yeah. and that's, you know, some people aren't wired that way. But yeah, I always love to learn something new. Yeah, I think that's a sign of a good leader too, to be willing to, one, have people smarter than you on your team. But but also push people further than maybe you can go. Yeah. Um, I think if, you know, especially when I was doing ministry, I would, uh, a lot of it was uh, music based. And I would find, you know, these young kids that are just incredible musician or incredible vocalists. I'm like, you're better than me at some of these things you're doing. You do this. Like I'm going to step out of the role and let you do it. Uh, and I found that uh, one, it earns a lot of trust from those people and the team to see that. But two, like our team was, much further down the road and much more successful than it would have been if I tried to hold on to all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a, there's a lot of insecurity when you first do it. It's like, well, <laughs> am I going to have a job? Am I going to lose my job now? It's like, actually, no, like the, anybody who's good at training other people up and raising up will always have a place. Yeah. And you did, I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. Cause there was, you know, Early on in my career, there was that whole, like, oh, I don't want to give up too much. I don't want to get somebody that's too smart because then I'm yeah. going to work myself out of a job. But, I mean, yeah. it, it really does exist. I mean. Right. Well, I mean, it depends on if you're focused on the individual or the team, you know. Right. You want to build a strong team, but you also have to show your team that you're a strong leader. Right. That way you can kind of, you know, wrangle the cats in if you need right. to. You know I mean? That's one of the big issues with – people especially talking about personality types you know you get six people who are top of their class or top of their industry into the same room working on one problem you need somebody who may be not the top in their class but they know how to deal with people and be like hey hey this is their area will you let them handle this this is your area you take care of this problem y'all work together and find a solution on this totally yeah i think it's being like the the coach versus the like the star player. Yeah, it's like, you know maybe, maybe the coach can perform at that you know at that same level, but he knows how to bring the best out of everybody. Exactly, and eventually, I, you know, like me personally, at this point in my career, I mean, I'm not, I'm like six years from retirement, so I mean, you know, six You're seven so maybe. Old, I know, right? So old. But but my approach totally shifted, you know, into more of that servant leadership style of leadership awesome. to where. You, at some point, you kind of have to be like happy with where you're at, and if where you're at may be where as far as you go, and that doesn't mean you can't learn and continue to learn yeah. more or be better at what you're doing, but at, at some point that you have to make that shift to where your focus becomes on other people and the you know your staff, your coworkers, people around you, and and actually you know you know I guess pouring into their cups, filling their cups uh, with your knowledge. Um, and and I guess that's the coaching part of things um, where you become a servant coach or more of a servant leader versus mm-hmm. totally focusing on yourself and your own growth. Uh, I think that's a biggie. Yeah. So. Yeah, and with, uh, you know, your coaching style, do you have any – do you deal with clients to where you kind of have to take the reins Instead of like letting them hand it back, like, no, 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 this is, this is how we need to do it right now. And then you kind of take charge of the progress up the project or you kind of leave it up to them to maybe hit the end goal of the project in the same way, but go about it a different path. Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, because there's, there's not much, you know, the coaching I'm doing is very much a consulting role. So, you know, I'm giving them okay. direction, but I'm not, there's nothing I'm really doing for them outside of maybe some of the business clients. I might build a funnel for them or help them with something that they can't you know, do on their own. Yeah. Um, but I think if they, if they tell me this is where I want to get by this time, uh, there's times where I have to say, like, we're not doing that. I know you want to do that really bad, but if you're going to get here, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um and you know it's up to them to do it still 
but if they want the result they're looking for, you know, there's some of that where I have to just speak hard truth. Like you're not going to be able to do that. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you wanted me to give you honest feedback and accountability. Um, so there's some of that, but typically there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of those situations where there's, you know, I really want to do this. Um, you know, there's, Typically, there's enough trust there because they've invested a lot and they see the potential of what they're doing yeah. um, that I don't find where I have to like take the reins very much. I'm just like, here's the direction. They're like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's more than it's the fitness stuff that I, you know I might have a little of those conversations. Just like, I want to do this workout. I'm like, you can, but you know, your goal is to to gain muscle, so we need to slow down on the cardio, bro. <laughs> like, like that might be a, like I'm not, you know, I'm not sweating and I'm not burning enough calories. I'm like, that's the goal. You need to slow down a little bit unless you want to eat another 500 calories a day. Um, yeah. You know, that's the tension I might face a little bit, but business wise, it's never really much of that. Okay, I got you. So most of the time, whenever you you know bring on a new client, they're already completely emotionally and mentally invested into building the program that you want to go by. Yeah, they are. And it's, you know, it's part of the vetting process. It's also part of, you know, why they invest financially is, you know, I believe I'm, I'm a good fit to help them and yeah. I know that I can solve their problem. They also trust me enough and invest in it. So they're, you know, they have to, otherwise they're, you know, they're not getting what they wanted. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice. man. Yeah. All right, man. I think that was excellent, dude. Yeah. You got uh, anything you want to plug? Please plug all your businesses yeah. and all that stuff. Well, first off, it's just a, it's an honor to, to chat with you guys and yeah. uh, I'm sure you plug your stuff all the time. So if there's, mm-hmm. you know, your listeners get to hear where, where to follow you, you know, where to look at your stuff. If you, you want to connect with me, you can do that Instagram, uh, Cole David Taylor is my handle, um, you know, Facebook as well as uh, Cole Taylor. Um, you know, that's typically the best place to connect to me is on Instagram is Cole yeah. David Taylor. But, um, you know, any, anybody out there listening to this that just, Know, wants advice, help, wants to, some motivation. Um, you know, I'm at the point in my business where I don't really need uh, a large inflow of clients. I've you know fairly booked in that aspect, and so I'm I'm in a place where I can just serve in a lot of aspects, which is awesome. So anybody that needs help around these habits, I'm happy to chat. I don't even necessarily need to sell you something. I can just point you in the right direction. So want to connect, Cole David Taylor on Instagram, and I'd love to do that. Well, excellent, man. Thank you very much yeah, for coming awesome. on. I mean. I learned a ton of stuff. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast over and take some notes. I was going to take notes while we were talking, but it's like, nah, yeah. I'll, I'll get too far off track if I start writing everything <laughs> down. You write really I, I learned a lot from you guys too. And it's a, it's an honor to connect. Yeah. Love what you guys yeah. do. I can do it again. Yeah. We'll Come definitely have topics. you back on anytime you want to, man. Yeah. If you're, thinking, if you're thinking yeah. of a good talking topic, you know, shoot it to us. Yeah. We're running okay. out of ideas. He's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty bland. <laughs> yep. Sounds great. Mm. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Oh, uh, excuse me. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for your time, and yeah, we'll talk to you, you later on. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Bye.